This episode was recorded last year, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Voices, with me, Sally Morgan. But you may know me best as Psychic Sally. In this series, I will be speaking to strong, powerful, inspirational people about their lives. I'm happier than I've ever been. It's just, it's the actual, it's the process. It's quite grueling. Actually being yourself is very freeing. In this episode, I sat down with Juno Dawson. So hello everyone. Thank you for joining me again. And this morning, I'm really lucky to have Juno Dawson with me. She is a best-selling novelist. Mm-hmm. You're a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. You're the first screenwriter I've ever met. Amazing. Um, she's a journalist. I've met plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, and a columnist. And just an amazing life. I mean, I've been trying to catch up with everything, and I have to say, I'm absolutely exhausted just trying to read it all. Um, so, uh, firstly, let's let's point out about your success as an award-winning and best-selling author. Yeah. Explain. So, I initially was a primary school teacher, and I did that for about seven years. And then just while I was teaching, I started borrowing the books from the kids in my class, like young adult books. So this was the golden age of teen fiction. So Twilight, Hunger Games. And I sort of thought to myself one summer, at the time my ex was a pilot, so he was away a lot. Mm -hmm. So to stop me misbehaving, I was like, you need a project to keep your hands busy. So I thought, well, let's see if you can finish a novel. And one summer over the six-week break, I sort of set myself a goal. Didn't finish it in the six weeks. But um, I had, it's not what you know, it's who you know. At the time, I had a friend who worked in publishing and she didn't get me a break, but she was like, this is good. There is something to this. You shouldn't give up. And that was all I needed to hear to finish the book. And the rest is history. I think my 10th book, Meat Market, came out in May. So yeah, I'm not doing so bad. And it's all fiction. Mostly I've done three non-fiction titles. In fact, my book that has done the best globally is a non-fiction book for LGBTQ kids called This Book is Gay. Oh, brilliant. And that's the one that's kind of kept a roof over my head. That's amazing. And what do you, I mean, how do you go about getting a publisher and somebody to be interested in your books? I mean, I had nothing. I didn't, you know, I didn't really have any lucky breaks other than that friend who told me not to give up. I I literally went online and looked up authors that I was a fan of and Googled who is their agent. And um, I've had two literary agents now. And yeah, that they, my first agent was a woman called Jo and she took on my first book, Hollow Pike, and it took about six months to sell, but I was like anybody else. They call it the slush pile, which is a horrible word. Yeah. But yeah, I, but it's I a true word, a true term, isn't it? Well, it really it, is. And they have interns just plowing through these piles of manuscripts. And luckily for me, I got, and I, I do think this a lot. And, um, you know, I'm not just being humble, although one should always try to be, but timing is such a huge part of success. When you're trying to break into the creative industries, you know, my agent was just coming back off maternity. So she was desperate to take on new clients. Um, at the time she was trying to sell Holler Pike. You know, there was, everybody was very keen on supernatural books after Twilight. And my first publisher, Orion, they were starting a new teen list. So they were desperate for books because they needed books to build this list. So without those stars aligning, I, you know, there's far more talented authors than me who have never been published. So... Well, right place, right time, as they mm. say. So that's yeah. quite amazing. The um, and, and obviously, 
you know, it, it's very well documented that you've had a massive journey over the last few years. Yeah, it's been wild. Yeah, it's been wild, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, c- can you talk a little bit about your transition? Of course, yeah. I mean, because I, when I came out in 2015, you know, I'd started telling my friends and family in 2013. Um, and I did have a bit of a choice. I didn't have any choice in transitioning, but, you know, it it really had got to that point where it was kind of, I couldn't get any older without seeing Mm. what my life would be like if I just sort of took the plunge. And I guess I, the choice I did have to make was I could have gone away. So this book is gay was already out. It was already a bestseller. People were already keeping one eye on my career. So I suppose the choice I had was, right, do I chip off for two years and come back like fully transformed, like Caitlyn Jenner style and do like a big makeover moment. Or knowing that a lot of my young readers from This Book is Gay were going on a similar journey, you know, be it coming out as gay or lesbian, trans or bi. I was like, well, I could go on this journey with them. And so for better or worse, I accepted the offer from Glamour magazine to document my transition for the magazine. Wow. (laughs) And, you know... Maybe if I was to go back now and say, look, is this a period of your life you're going to want such intense scrutiny? Maybe I would have had a word with myself, but mm. it was it was what it was. And I, you know, made the decision to start my transition very much in the public eye. But I do know it helped people. Yeah. I get so many letters yeah. from other trans people, especially trans youth, yeah. saying thank you for being out there. And being honest and yeah. sharing it. I mean, it's it's about sharing it as well. Mm. When you were when you were a child, was there not the urge to sort of transition then? Maybe. Um, I mean, I'm sort of deceptively elderly, and you know, so I was growing up in Bradford in the eighties oh, and nineties. Right. Yep. We didn't have the education. You know, I knew when I was four or five years old. That was when I started to say to my mum, "When will I be a girl?" You know, at what point does that oh happen? Because um, what, just... what was your mum saying? I mean, as you just said yeah. that, my mum, and it was like, my heart's breaking. It's because, like, yeah. let's go buy a dress. It'd be like, that's okay. That would, you know. But my mum didn't have the education either, and no. neither did my dad. And so I think they just panicked and thought that, you know, I was, you know, I was exposing myself to trouble, you know, and that we didn't, there weren't any role models. They didn't know this was a thing any more than I did. What would they do now? Now, nowadays, mm. um, in our society now, if a four or five year old said to yeah. their mum or dad, you know, I want to be a girl, I want to be a boy, do they do bloods? Do they do hormone tests? What do they do? Well, I think now they'd just put a word to it. And so I think. My mum and dad, bless them, and I've never tried to throw them under a bus because I think they did the best job they thought they were doing. Um, But there just wasn't a word for it. Whereas now, you know, little me, had I gone to them and persistently, and this was something that went on for years and years, Mm. you know, persistently said, when will I be a girl? Am I a girl? I think I'm a girl. And, you know, I used to constantly ask questions, you know, what do you think I would look like if I was a girl? What would my name have been if I was a girl? I think my parents now, and also my GP, would have said, there is a word for this, and it's transgender, and there is a very well-established 
clinical pathway for this, um, where you would normally go through CAMS, which is Children and Adolescent Mental Health Services. Mm. And what would happen in 2019 is I would have gone on a wait list for probably several years, gone on a wait list and eventually been seen by a, a specialist gender clinic, which in London there's the Tavistock and now they have a separate clinic in Leeds as well. So presumably so that, that's the one I would have been seen yeah. at. But in Bradford in the 1980s, none of us knew the word transgender. We just didn't know it was a thing. And so I was just, you know, with the best will in the world, I was told to kind of shut up and get on with it and kind of. And, and you know, I went through my teenage years and it was only really when I moved to London in my 20s that I met other trans people and started to put two and two together and realised that sort of five-year-old me had the right idea. Yeah, you know, and it was like society my parents school friends kind of talked me out of it kind yeah of. so now you know you're incredibly happy yeah you're Juno you who you should be yes. and every day when you're waking up are you are you getting happier or do you feel that because you're inspirational now you whether you like it or not <laughs> you are a beacon for others to look at and, you know, for other people out there that are really suffering, I mean, this is meant, it can be a real mental health issue, this, can't it? Yeah. For oh a lot gosh, of people. Yeah. For, and, and you're, when you look at you, it's like, well, we can be okay. And it's okay. And we can be who we want to be. Yeah. And you're really that light for them. And I had that before me as well. So I, you know, you know, I only ever speak for myself. And for me, I was looking at, um, like the model Hari Neff, the journalist Paris Lees, Laverne Cox from Orange is the New Black. So I so was she's very lucky. brilliant. Oh, she's brilliant. So she's amazing. She is such a role model to me. And why, why is she a role? Because you're an incredibly strong woman, very, very strong, and mm -hmm. you're a survivor. So what, what has she got that you think you mm -hmm. haven't got? Because you are, I mean, you're on par with her as far as I'm concerned. Oh, my gosh, no. Oh, you she, are? She has an Emmy. I don't have an Emmy. Well, yeah, well, yet. that just come away. Yeah. Um, maybe the Booker Prize, you never know. You never know. Yeah, a teen novel winning the Booker. It could happen. It will, over my dead body, will that happen? But um, with Laverne, I love that she has such a quiet dignity about her. And what I love about her as well is that you know, Time magazine put her on the front and heralded her as the face of this trans revolution. And since then, you know, things arguably, I think, have gotten worse. I think people... Do have you? Seen, yeah, because I In think what people way? have seen Laverne. And because I think, obviously, we know trans people have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years in all kinds of historical documents I'm writing a book about this at the moment, mm. dating back to like the medieval times, there are records of people living as women or living as men who were not born that yeah. way. And I think by sticking people like Laverne on the front of a magazine, people in like small town America thought like Caitlyn Jenner or Laverne Cox had invented being trans yeah. as though it was like a very new thing. <laughs> and so I think people who have never particularly considered the existence of trans people for a single second are thinking about it in a way they weren't 10 or 20 years ago. But in the midst of some quite transphobic press, Laverne just retains this quiet dignity. Doesn't she never talks she? about no. it. She doesn't get involved well, was, in debates well, or it. arguments. I was just about to say... She, she just does her job. Does it piss you off that, like, I'm here asking? I mean, why should I be here asking? But you, you're asked this all the time. It's wrong, isn't it? But it depends It should just case. be. It should just be. Yeah, but it's one thing to be asked, like, 
And so this is the difference. You know, you have asked me about my life. And of course, I have complete ownership of my life. And I'm very happy to talk, quite self-centered, quite <laughs> happy to talk about myself. Where it gets problematic for me is when certain daytime chat shows will ask you to come on and talk on behalf of the trans community. We just need a trans person. It I doesn't mean, matter yeah. who it is. I mean, we just need oh one God. of you. As if I can speak for anybody else and I'm always at pains to say you know that my transition was quite privileged you know I had the full support of my friends and family I had a very stable career in the liberal arts you know there was no danger of my publishers getting rid of me um you know I had enough money I had a roof over my head I was able to access healthcare. so you know my transition was phenomenally privileged. So there is no way I'm going to go on this morning or Good Morning Britain and say, on behalf of the trans community, yeah. this is what it's like mm. to be trans. Because I've had my experience, Laverne Cox has had her experience, but we have to be very mindful that there are a lot of trans people struggling in a way that we didn't because they weren't in the position that we were in. Darling Number One is the new perfume by Sally Morgan. A fresh and floral fragrance with a sensual, subtle, musky base. Just £15 and the perfect size bottle to pop in your handbag. Available exclusively at sallymorgan.tv. Darling Number One. So you've come through all of this shit, as you said, and look at you. You're absolutely gorgeous. Um, so what is next for you? Because you are, you're, you're up for winning awards oh, for I'm writing. I'm so busy. I am so busy. I'm TV? So Can we see TV? Yeah, so there's things, there's all sorts going on. So um, it's a funny old time, I think. And it's, it's a, it is a cultural thing as well, because I think, in some ways, I think to combat the quite negative tone in the press, I think the very creative industries that I work in are really keen to get more diverse voices in the room. And I think that's true of the publishing people I work with and the TV people I work with, in that they are actively looking out for people of colour, they're actively looking out for LGBTQ people. I think actually there's a real shortage of disabled or otherwise abled people in these creative industries. The BBC um, tries, you know. They're trying, yeah. They are trying. The, I'm doing, I'm not really allowed to talk about any of them. <laughs> actually, no, I can talk about the novel now because yeah. that's been announced. So this autumn I'm doing a series with the BBC called The Novel, which is um, both for BBC Radio 2 and on, Red, on BBC 2, we're doing lots of programming about the impact novels have had on culture and the way that culture has impacted on novels. And do you, just while you're talking about being an author, mm. is there always... Um, in a true author, which you are, because it's, you know, since a child and it's there. Um, is there always a book waiting to come out? Are you, and what, can you sort of just be like on a bus or walking <laughs> along the road and all of a sudden, bang, an idea will come to you? I've always had more ideas than I will ever have time to write. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. And it's especially good because increasingly I've been branching out into TV. And the great thing about TV companies is they will pay you for an idea, <laughs> which is great. So, and this, I must admit, this, I've just bought myself my first flat. And the reason I've just bought myself my first flat is because there is, you know, so few TV shows actually get made, you know, because essentially you're asking for a £20 million loan to get mm. a TV show started. And so writers like me, starving artists, are given 
they call it development money to just develop ideas. And so I'm in a very lucky position at the moment where I've got the ears of some really important people. And I'm saying, look, I think this is a TV show I would watch. And if I would watch it, I think other people would and watch are they, it. And well. are they dramas or are they informative? Are they like docus? What, what are they? Mostly dramas. And with my background in teen fiction, it's no big surprise that I'm developing lots of kind of young adult series. And this is a great time to be doing that. You've got shows like Euphoria, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. I must, what I've oh, seen that. Oh, it's so, so is good. It? I've never seen anything like it. It shocked me. And I thought I was unshockable. Is it, isn't it Euphoria? Just someone I know, very close to me, watched, um, thought that they would watch it and <laughs> said, um, it's, it's, it's like soft porn, isn't it? Oh my gosh, it's so explicit. I wouldn't even say soft. I think soft is frankly sugaring the pill. Because this person, well, it was very like, they were like, ah... And I mean, and it's not going to be for everyone, but you know, the success of Riverdale and Sabrina, you know, that's started a whole franchise now. So they are actively looking for new teen dramas, but working on a big potential adult drama as well. And I've adapted Meat Market, my novel as well. So yeah. please send out all the we good are, happy thoughts we are, we are. because I know that Meat Market is out with commissioners at the moment and I would love to see Meat Market on TV. I think it'd be so good. So would you not think I'm looking at you as a psychic now? Mm-hmm. As Sally Morgan? So, this is why I wanted to I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, well, Meat Market, uh-huh. do you, I think that's a film. <gasps> I don't think really? it's, I think it's a film. Oh my gosh, you heard it here first? Yeah, oh God, and I okay. think that um, it's going to be, there's, I don't know where, I mean, when I think of films being made, I don't know why, in my naivety, I immediately think of LA, you know what I mean, yeah. Hollywood. But I think Meat Market is going to be uh, commissioned for a film and somebody will do the, the screenwriter from Europe and possibly an Eastern European link. Oh my gosh. Do you have do you have a, a man in your life at the moment, um, a friend and also somebody that is very creative like yourself, um, from I don't know, Croatia or um sort of I was gonna say Bulgaria, but like Hungary, that sort of area. Not that I'm aware of. And um, but... got got like an accent like Russian, but not Russian. It's not Russia. But that's around you. And mm-hmm. not only is it genuine mm. and will happen there's money there and that's at the end of the day when you're looking at a film <laughs> i'll take that yeah, yeah but th- it's going to be made into a film okay because yeah that's but because the thing with tv and i'm getting something that i'm not allowed to talk about is i mean just yesterday i had the most unexpected phone call about a different project that i'm involved in and everything constantly changes so frankly you could have said anything regarding my tv work and i would have been like it is feasible like had you said it's going to be directed by a flying elf i would have been like yeah it yeah. could it could well, well that's, happen. but that's but you know that's tv yes yeah. that's mad that's Absolutely been tv mad. really for the last 10 years really mm. because there's there's so many channels and there's so many production companies and, and there's so much rubbish flying around that is tv but still film is it's you know movies it's, it's, it's so special isn't it yeah and it was it's funny you mentioned LA I was just thinking on the tube coming here right now I was thinking about LA because I've never been and it almost feels inevitable that sooner or later someone is gonna fly me over it's about yeah. to happen well I I I I do think that LA is in your life, but I think that the the person that says yes to making the film, I, do they call it commissioning like yeah. they do in TV, who commissions the film and buys the rights mm. to the book for a film will come from Europe. Oh, okay. But you see you have Italy in your life at the moment as well. 
but Italy's in your life in a love way. So that you could either find yourself there in love, mm-hmm. um, having an absolutely brilliant time, um, and then coming back and then going back to Italy because that's it holds special memories. Or you could find yourself in Italy because he's an Italian. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if my boyfriend would be thrilled yeah. to hear that. Like, I need a photograph. Have you got a photograph of your boyfriend? And I also think, this is a real biggie, um, she's going to kill me. You're going to kill me what I'm going to say. Okay. But you, there'll be a child. <gasps> oh, no, I hope not. <laughs> oh, I think it's going to be a little boy. So whether... The, the man in your life already has a son or whether you adopt a boy, but there'll be a son. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe my, it's my chihuahua, his little boy. No, no, I think it's a child. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. You see, this man, this man in your life's pretty permanent in your life. Yeah, we've been, yeah, we've, well, we just had our first anniversary. The, there isn't New Zealand around him. <laughs> So before I met Max, there was a holiday fling in New Zealand. What, for you? For me, yeah. Right, okay. So what's really interesting for me, as I'm looking at him, Mm. he, you really are, for him, the love of his life. Yeah. He has... He's younger than me, so that would you... Well, he he has... He he doesn't look younger than you. Don't bless Thanks. No, darling, you look at you. Um, he, he, you are very much, um, you're in his bones, you're, yeah. you're everything, um, which is wonderful, but um, you have now and easily for the next 25, 30 years, you have what I call a life. You know, you're going to be really living it to the full. You're going to be very prolific with your writing. He's all of that he wants. He wants you to be happy. Mm. But there is a little but here. He may find um, your workload, your schedules, your, um, uh, what you see ahead for you. He could at times find that literally boring to the extent where you'll say, are you, you know, you're not, you're not enjoying this with me. Mm. So you're just going to have to sort of do that. Now, I do see a son and it's not a dog. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Has he but- spoken about adopting? No, well, he, we, because as far as I know, we're very on the same page in that we don't want kids. What's interesting is his best friend had a child very young when they were like still at school. And I think for the whole friendship group that he's in, it rattled them regarding children. And I think obviously, because I can't have children of my own, um, we would have to adopt. And so I think weirdly, so I was always very upfront about with that. And I was like, you do understand I can't have children. And he was very much like, thank God, because mm. he didn't see, didn't seem to see children in his future either. So weirdly children have been one thing right from the beginning that I thought we were always on the same page as. Mm. He's a cat person, I'm a dog person. Yeah. So we're not on the same page with that. But in terms of kids. Yeah. So you're not writing, or you haven't got um, an idea in your head where you're writing about... A child, a little boy, and a little boy that maybe um, is adopted into a relationship where there may be trans or there may be, I don't know, non-binary. You're not thinking of doing something like that? Not yet. I think 
So my next, so because I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, looking at you, yeah. I wouldn't say that that's the sort of thing that you would write anyway, mm. unless it was for maybe I don't know a charity or some sort of cause or something. You're very much your writing, I think, is is very much comes from your creative side, yeah. you know, just feeling it and knowing it and being able to use this incredible imagination. Because what sooner, sooner or later I might have well not have to but it would make financial sense because as my that's my little diary um, <laughs> as my as my readers get older it would make sense to write continue to write for my fan base so sooner or later I will have to write a novel with an adult audience in mind oh, well, and that, that's that is already some, there though isn't that's it? something not yet I mean I I think I vaguely know I have an idea it's been brewing it's a bit like having a tea bag in in the water I think it needs some time to brew um and certainly the next two novels will be teenage but that is an anxiety that I have in my life which is knowing that sooner or later I'm gonna have to do something a bit different I think I've, I've I'm very comfortable writing for teenagers and writing for an adult audience be it either as a novel or as a tv show is quite scary well I, I think that you're I think that that film with a with with a script mm -hmm. um I'm not saying you're right the whole you'll do the whole script but I think that you will participate in it you know they're, they're going to be talking to you and you will want to anyway but yeah. you are a person you're this person that you're very capable but at the same time, you are someone that allows others to shine. You're not there to steal anyone else's thunder. That comes naturally from you, which is so, you're very humble. There's this humble side to you. Even though you are, you are the one that needs to inform us. You are the one that, as I said, you're that light. You're there shining. Yet you remain very humble about that. And you're the same with your writing. Well, the, the writing, the ideas that you have that will be made into films, mm. plural there, um, and made bigger and maybe into TV series, you will participate in, but you'll, at the same time you'll go, no, 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 you're, you're, the, you're, you're the script writer here. I'm just here if you need me. Mm. Which that's, is, yeah, that's interesting. Which is, yeah. Just going back to what I do, okay, um, there's a great uncle from your father's side who's passed over. Mm. And I'm trying to think, hang on, because I don't know my dad's side of my family terribly well. Well, and I think that he was single. I don't think he ever married. You know that uncle. It would be have been an uncle of your dad's. So your dad would have said that was my uncle. Because so what happened was, and it may come from his mother's side. So look at your father, yeah. Then your grandmother, mm -hmm. your paternal grandmother, mm -hmm. and then look at her if she had brothers. She might have. It's so weird because my dad's side of the family, I don't know an awful lot about it. And both my mum and my dad are very big families um, because my grand, my biological granddad, my dad's dad, um, I never really knew my biological granddad and my grandma had remarried. And as far as I knew until I was a teenager... Oh, because he died, you mean? The no, he just ran off. <laughs> so, and my grandma remarried. So I always thought that my step-granddad was just my granddad. Yeah. And we never really questioned it. But, I mean, how bad is that? I don't even know if my grandma had brothers or sisters. That's shocking. Yeah, That's it's, really it's, awful. Well, it's just that I feel that if I'm looking at your your paternal grandfather it's the it's the biological one okay? okay but there was a brother there that um i think he was somebody that would you know um trying to remain politically correct here but just saying it as as it used to be said was somebody that dressed up in ladies clothes oh wow 
he would, you know, had it in the wardrobe and it yeah. would be something. I mean, it's so sad. It really, you know, breaks my heart. Would go and um, on a Sunday afternoon, you know, put on maybe a, a dress and ladies' shoes. Do you know, that's weird because when I came out as trans in about 2013, I kind of bottled it a bit and said to my dad, after I'd come out to him, I was like, could you tell grandma? Because I just don't want to. It's just, I've done it like three times now. I just don't want to do it again. And my dad was like, no worries. I will do it. Sorted. And through my dad, I got back the feedback, which is she was very chill. And she said, she doesn't need to worry because I know more about this than people would be surprised. It was her brother. There you go. And her brother, you, and I'm in, I see things when I, uh, I can see things in like in my mind's eye, a little scene. And I'm in a bedroom and it's got a, um, like a walnut uh, single wardrobe mm. with the bed, the same wood headbed and at the bottom and like a quilt on the, on the bed, it's a single bed. And this man goes into the room and pulls the curtains. They're not they're not lined. You can see the sun coming through, and they're like a, uh, a flowery, mm. uh, quite green, and basically opens the wardrobe door, and it's got all ladies' clothing. So this was a ladies' bedroom, yeah. but there was no one in the house. So he would put the clothes on, and he just used to sit on the bed and walk around the room, and in his head, he was content. He, he, the anxiety that he had in his tummy, that was his tummy would always, you know, like you go over a bridge and your tummy goes over. It was like that. And then he'd go into this room, put this dress on, which was very, very flowery, and the shoes, and he'd put stockings on, but he'd only put them up to his knees. So the dress was long enough to cover his knees. And he would just, and I, I feel like I want to sit on the bed like he would sit on the bed like that with his hands on the mattress like that and just sit there and... There was a little clock mm-hmm. on a uh, like a, a chest of drawers that was underneath a window, and he would just watch the time, and he knew very calmly he would take the dress off and the stockings and the shoes, and then go back down to what was supposed to be his life. Oh my gosh! But he was related to your grandma. Oh wow! I wonder if that's what she meant then when she was like, Is, "Did, did know, she have a? Was me. there someone called Sid?" No, I, I, don't, I don't, I just don't, was that my granddad? Well, my grandfather's name was, no, that was Stanley. Oh, it was Stanley? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know my okay. grandparents' names. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, yeah. but I'm, I'm looking at that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> what I'm saying is your, your family, um, who's to say that didn't happen yeah. in my family? I don't know. But with your family, it's almost as if uh, you there would have been relatives when you were yeah. uh, a little girl, um, although you were a boy then, yeah. they were saying, but you were a little girl, um, that already were thinking, well, that's like, in a way, history repeating itself. Yeah. He wasn't out and he wasn't gay. He, w- wanted, he wanted to be a woman. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, I need to, because I need to know, I need to do some digging, because it was, because my grandma who is a bit of an enigma <laughs> anyway nothing really phases her and even though she now lives in like a small town in west yorkshire she comes across as very cosmopolitan and i think in a different world she would have done really well living in london or brighton well, or she's somewhere very, very creative cosmopolitan. she's very creative your grandmother 
There's a very creative side. Whether her creativity, she balances that or she is able to feed that by listening to the radio and to plays and to reading. Mm. But she's very creative. Had she been born in a different era, yes. she would have been an author like you. I think that's true. And I think in a different era, she wouldn't have had kids as well because she had five sons. And I think, yeah, it's... I, I wonder if now, if she were a modern woman, I don't know if she would have had kids. I think she would have been like a big career woman. Yeah. I think that would have been the difference now. So you come from very good stock, darling, don't you? I think so, yeah. And because um, a lot of matriarchs on both sides, in fact, all around me as a child, yeah. every, women ran the show, yeah. both my mum's mum and my dad's yeah. mum, and then my mum. It was all women running just, the just show. Just tell me this also. When your mum was expecting you, mm. did she suffer from really, really bad morning sickness? I believe she did, yes. Horrific morning sickness. Yeah. I was very premature as well. Yeah. Um, and do you know if she took um, like an anti-sickness drug? I don't know. She might have. Or she, she took... Um, uh, d does she suffer from migraines? Horrific headaches. I don't think she'd call them migraines. Yeah. She, she, she used to take didn't. aspirin, you see, and when she was expecting you... Possibly. She, yeah. Because I know, because I think this rings a bell, because obviously I was born very shortly after the, th the thalidomide scandal. Were you? And so I've got a feeling she had to kind of suffer it because, yeah. because there'd been such a public outcry about With thalidomide. Absolutely. That, um, I, rem think, I think that's why I know yeah. she had morning sickness because she was like, I had yeah. to just grin yeah. and bear it all. And it's, kind of it's really interesting in my head as I talk to you as, as, as a medium, <sighs> um, I, it's almost as if it wouldn't have surprised me if you were a twin. That would have been so cool. I used to wish I was a twin all the time. It would have been interesting to see, of course, if we'd have both transitioned. But um, yeah, well, I wonder if you you wish that because, like, the two, you know, you, the one in the two bodies at yeah. one time. Do you know well, what I mean? I mean, it wasn't, you know, all through my childhood. And, in fact, actually, who am I kidding? Well into adulthood, I had a very vivid imagination where I imagined my life as a girl and I suppose that was in my 20s well I just, I just got bored of imagining yeah. it and I was like I could be living this life I don't want to imagine yeah. it anymore yeah but what's so wonderful you see your imagination that's the first and I never said that I wish I'd said that right at the beginning of it of interviewing you the, the have, oh, I'm not interviewing having a conversation mm. with you um but your imagination is incredible it is perfect for an author um of fiction but I think that also it's been able to develop and really be anchored by the fact that um really wishing you yeah. were in another body and what that body what that body stroke person would look like would be doing and I have absolutely no doubt that that's really you could say um you know the shop floor for you you know yeah. uh, and you're doing what you're meant to be doing yeah, and I think, I think you know, if the imagination is like a muscle, you know, I spent my entire childhood flexing Good that analogy. Muscle. Yeah, and, and so I don't think, you know, it's a big mystery as to why, you know, my imagination was so vivid because I spent so much of my childhood wishing yeah. I was someone else, kind mm. of. No more wishing. No more wishing, yeah. I feel like a fairy godmother. Thank you. If only it were that easy. Well, quite. I mean, yeah. I mean, but worth but that, you know, all the stress and strain of being trans, you know, it's very practical stuff on a spiritual level. Mm. You know, like you said yourself, I'm happier than I've ever been. Yeah. It's just, it's the actual, it's the process is quite yeah. grueling. Actually being yourself is very freeing. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> 
of course. How could it not be? Yeah, well, that's like, it is like me, you know. It's like as soon as I started to work and people wanted to come and see me, you, there's like this freedom. Mm. And it's like, it's okay. You know, I, for years and years, I would only say things if I felt I was in safe company. Yeah. Because I was weird. You know, I was peculiar. It was, you know, and you're called that and teachers would, it's, 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 um, it's sad, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. that we can't be accepted for who we are. And just, yeah, that, that notion of, you know, it's like campsite rules, isn't it? Don't harm anything and leave it as you found it. And as long as you, <laughs> as long as you are, you know, as long as you're not destructive, as long as you're not harming anyone, I think, gosh, live and let live. Oh, live and let live. It, you know, it's been so lovely. Thank you, do you for know, having do, me. I know, yeah. Any time we must do this again. Gosh, yeah, I need to go. To, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to do some digging into my grandma's life without being like too obvious now. Yeah, That's but your grandma. For the but day. she is the sort of person your. Grand, oh, she'd be quite. But you could say to you. her, "Do you know what? I spoke to this really weird woman, and she <laughs> said you had a brother that really." Was my yeah, trans, in the, yeah, back in the day was trans. Should have been trans. You know, see what she oh, says. Yeah, I'm going to do some digging. Yeah, I think she walked in. I think that may have been her bedroom. Um, and I think that she walked in and... Maybe you. But she knew anyway. Mm. She's really switched on your grandma and has been since she was that high. She is switched on, that is true. That's definitely true. Yeah. Love you, darling. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Join me next time with another exciting guest. Don't forget to download, share and subscribe. 